Today's uh, episode of Common Sense Christianity is going to be a little different than what I usually do. Um, we're not going to be talking about uh, God at all, at least in this first segment. We'll see if we'll do any other segments about different topics later in the episode. But for now, I'm going to talk uh, about something that I have personal opinions on, and it's a big political debate in the country today. And that is the question of, should schools reopen? Uh, my school, Bingham High School, up here in South Jordan, Utah, is set to reopen August 24th of 2020, obviously. Um, the other day, I went to this picture day thing there. Took a picture for our ID cards. Went there. Mostly everyone was wearing masks, but we were crowded and we weren't able to socially distance. And you see this ongoing debate within our political atmosphere between the Democrats and the Republicans over this debate. And it's almost completely divided by political ideological lines because, of course, uh, in our politics today, whatever one side says, you have to take the opposite position. So the president of the United States says open the schools. And then uh, most Democrats say, well, don't open the schools. But what really, in my opinion, is the best option? You've seen uh, on the news lately about schools that have already reopened. It has led to the spread of COVID-19. Some schools aren't requiring masks. So what's the best option? What is the most reasonable position to be had? Especially since this personally affects me. I'm 15 years old. I'm entering 10th grade. We have to, one, focus on the mental health impact. The CDC director says there is likely going to be more kids that die from suicides, from drug overdoses, because of the lockdowns, than would die of COVID-19 itself. Now, we have to face the sad reality that when the school is reopened, COVID-19 will spread and a few people will die from it. That is a horrible reality of the situation. And likewise, if we continue with online school, there will be people who enter a state of depression because humans are social animals. And likewise, they will die from suicide, from mental health issues, from a drug overdoses, or they will just suffer. Maybe because of an abusive uh, relationship with their parents and going back to drug overdoses, going back to mental health issues, dealing with depression, and school helps relieve that. Let's focus on another side of it. Imagine you're a single mother who has a job that requires their, uh, requires 8 to 12 hours a day, 5 days a week, and you have a child that isn't old enough to stay home by yourself. What are you going to do? A lot of daycares aren't open. School is the place where you take them. If the daycares are open, maybe you can't afford to send your child to the daycare. So what do you do? You can't just leave them home. Many parents are struggling with this very decision. But in the political spectrum, 
those who oppose opening schools ignore it. And likewise, those who support opening schools ignore the fact that some people are going to die over this. But people in this particular situation ignore the given facts if it doesn't support their particular approach. What the president should do, instead of saying that most kids are immune to this, which isn't true, you are more likely to have mild or uh, mild symptoms or a be asymptomatic if you're younger, but that doesn't mean you're immune to it. It's a that's a very different word, but we we all know uh, the president doesn't have a very good choice with words, so we'll go ahead and leave that out. If what he should do, the way he should communicate it. Is state the stats, state the information, and say, here's what's going to happen. Have a precise plan that in states that have high levels of transmission, California, Florida, Arizona, those places, wait a bit, delay the school year in terms of physical school, let the cases go down, then open up the schools, require masks in the schools, and help and do to the best of your ability to maintain social distancing. That is what you should do. And for those who oppose school, they should lay out a plan. Say we oppose school in these areas because it's not reasonable to close it down in all areas. For example, New York State, since the virus just blew through and they have a very low positivity rate now, they should say places like New York or here in Utah, who we are gaining control, our positivity rate has uh, has fallen significantly in the past couple weeks. A few weeks ago, we were having uh, 500, 600 cases a day. Now we're down to 200. Those places should be allowed to open up but continue having a mask man mandate. There are reasonable solutions to this. If I were to state my personal opinion on this, I think we should open up the schools because the impact that will happen on the kids in terms of COVID-19 is less than what will happen if we continue to hold the schools down. We have to adapt to this situation to the best of our ability. Now, let's go to the political side of things, which is something I don't personally like to do on this podcast because it's divisive. Why is it that when we have an honest discussion about a very serious issue in this country, that every time we have this discussion, we go after the motives of someone pushing a certain agenda instead of their actual argument? Why is that? It stifles any reasonable debate. It doesn't do anything to help the situation. When the president says, we need to open the schools, I will withhold federal funding if you do not open up your school, that is his position, whether you agree with it or not. This is how politics works. But to go after his motives and say he just wants children to die, which I have seen on social media, 
that he's just being irresponsible is absolutely ludicrous. And we can apply the same standard to the other side. And that is a problem. When we question the motives and the intentions of people, it is a way to divert attention from the actual argument itself. That a lot of people are suffering mentally and physically from not being able to go to school. And here's another side of it. In online school, we didn't learn anything. No one learned anything. We just sat there. It took me two or three hours to do my schoolwork for the day. And then I was done. Just done. Now, it was easy and nice in the short term, but in the long term, how is that going to affect my education? How is that going to affect my work ethic? How is that going to affect me once physical school, school actually starts up again? How is that going to affect me in that time to where, uh, to my learning abilities, my learning capabilities? We've been out of school since mid-March. Mid-March. It's August now. That's a long time. It is going to be a painful transition already to go back to uh, physical school. Ignoring the fact that if we stay in online school for longer, how hard of a transition is it going to be once we get back into physical school? What impact is that going to have on our learning capabilities. It's going to have a very severe impact. Very severe impact. So we need to open up the schools. We need to take proper precautions. Have masks. Try to the best of your ability to maintain social distancing. I know it's impossible to do. But try to the best of your ability. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And this, we can keep the rate of transmission at a slower pace. If an outbreak starts to go in the school, you close down the school for a few weeks. And then let people come back. And eventually, and this is a hard reality of a pandemic, if we do not get a vaccine soon, herd immunity is about the only option. We need to protect uh, the assistant living homes, the nursing homes, and those who are older. But the younger people who are at less risk, at minimal risk, from dying of COVID-19, we need to be able to achieve some sort of herd immunity. So we should reopen with responsibility. This continuous lockdown doesn't make any sense. Do remember, California never really went out of lockdown, but a couple months ago, they saw a huge spike in cases. The lockdowns only prevent the inevitable. We're most likely going to get it, all of us. It's going to burn right through the population, because that's what a virus does. In all likelihood, I'm probably going to get it. So we have to prepare ourselves for that reality. Keep the transmission rate low enough to where the hospitals can handle the influx of patients 
and then deal with the situation appropriately. Increase our testing capacity. Isolate those who have tested positive and slow down the rate of transmission. But it's going to burn through the population unless a vaccine appears out of the loo in the next couple months and is able to be mass produced to the entire population. That is the reality of the situation. So in conclusion, open up the schools, be responsible, and stay in prayer. We will be right back. This is Common Sense Christianity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Go check out our YouTube channel. Go check out our website, cscpodcast.org, and enjoy the rest of the episode. God bless you guys. Our verse of the day comes from Romans 8.11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Romans 8.11, that is our verse of the day. Truly beautiful. You know, Paul is one of my favorite biblical authors for the reason that he puts things in such a beautiful and easy to understand perspective for us Christians to read. So read his letters because it really enlightens you on Christian doctrine, on the Christian life. Someone sent me a video of someone, I forgot his name, of this lecture of someone talking about uh, homosexuality. And she said, I want you to watch this certain portion of it where he talks about the biblical understanding of it. And he, of course, mocked it, but he made a point that I've been making for a long time on this podcast. And that is the point that how are we going to enforce only being straight, I guess you can say, in the church? How are we going to ban homosexuals from the church? but then ignore certain portions of the Bible. So he brought up this specific example, as I have, where Paul says in 1 Corinthians that women have to have their heads covered and ought to be silent at the church. Paul says this. This is an undeniable fact. So why do you take Leviticus 18.22 seriously and literally, but not that particular section of the Bible? It is all because of narrative. It is all because of the Christian church not willing to be more open-minded on the given situation. It is us losing our purpose. And this reminds me, go check out Sean McCraney's ministry, Heart of the Matter. He discussed an issue relating to this um, yesterday. I believe the episode uh, was called, I'm doing my brother or something. Uh I, I hope I said that right. That sounds really wrong now that I think of it. Let me <laughs> pull up his channel and make sure I, I, I have this name wrong. Yep, I'm doing my neighbor. My neighbor. And in this, he discusses how we as Christians ought to not care about another individual's sin because it is their sin to deal with. We ought to walk with them. We ought to encourage them. We ought to help them in their sin, in their struggle, in their continual pursuit of Christ and his perfection. It is not our obligation to 
deal with the sins of others because we have our own sins to deal with. He made a very, very good point in this. Um, before we continue with the episode, I just reminded myself that started a new podcast. As you know, uh, I, I love killer whales and all that. So I decided to start a new podcast with some friends. Uh, going to record another episode just after I record this episode. It's Tuesday. I always record a day before. So go, go check that out, the Orca Gang podcast. I'll put the link in the description. So continuing on, how are we going to show Christ's love unequally? And what I mean by this is what I just said before. Let, and let's suppose for a second I run a church. And we have 50 congregants. And I find out one of those congregants, one couple, is a homosexual couple. And I find out another congregate, another person in that congregation, is an adulterer. And another one a prostitute. And another one uh, some other sinful uh, title. And this is true to every uh, to most churches. There is homosexual couples, couples. There's adulterers. There's people who who sell themselves for sex work or whatever. Who, if I was an evangelical pastor, a mainstream evangelical pastor, who do you think I would discriminate against? Who do you think? We, uh, we have to be honest with ourselves. It would be the homosexual couple. Oh, no, we can't have same-sex marriage in here. You have to get out the church. You're banned from the congregation. Is it me applying the law in the Bible? Is that me applying it equally? Is that me applying it fairly? Am I upholding a biblical standard? Well, if there's a prostitute, if there's an adulterer in the church, then I am not. I simply am not. I have broken the law. I am disobeying God. Because if we are going to uphold this standard, you have to kick everyone out. Every single one. Every, all 50 members of the congregation of this fake church I just imagined in my mind. You know why? Because the law doesn't uphold one sin over the other. The law is the law. If you break one of these laws, you have broken the whole law. So using this standard, I would have to kick everyone out. You know why? Because all of us are sinners. I'd have to kick myself out. The church would be completely empty because we are all sinners. So realizing this, we have to apply Christ's love equally. We cannot show Christ's love to just someone who is struggling with adultery, to just someone who is, is struggling with porn, to just someone who is struggling with homosexual feelings. You apply it equally to everyone. And that is the greatest mistake of the evangelical church today. They do not believe in this equal practice of, of um, 
applying the law in the church. They don't believe in it. They see in their own eyes, in their own minds, they conjure this uh, strange justification for applying, for a dealing with one sin and not the other. And that is a problem, folks. It makes us look bad. Not only that, it looks God look bad in the eyes of many people. And still, he's going to still look bad in the eyes of many people. But if we are trying to win lives for Christ, then we ought to apply the standard that Christ has set for us. Christ hung out with the sinners. He hung out amongst them. And the Pharisees called him out on this. They're like, why is he hanging out with the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all, all these people that are sinning? It is because when you go down into the midst of people who are not saved, who are struggling, but have a heart for truth, and you go down there, and you hang out with them, you make a friendship, you bond with them, you will be able to convince them of greater truth. Jesus stepped down from his throne in heaven and came down on earth to be amongst us. He stepped down from his throne of authority and power and glory and came down to be one of us. And not just a wealthy man, not just a, a, a privileged man in that period of time. He came down and became the poorest and dirtiest amongst them. And he he went, came down on earth and became one of us to be able to convince us of his glory, of his lordship, and tell us where we are wrong and how we can change to be right. That is the story of the gospel, and that is what we must uphold. I wouldn't be complaining about Kenneth Copeland or Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes or whoever else. If they would step down from their thrones of wealth and privilege and glory in some sense. To come down and help the communities that are struggling. To go out and help the homeless. To help the people in poverty. It is our moral and Christian obligation to do this. And to apply the standard of the gospel equally. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts because this will help us grow. Uh, share the podcast. Help us grow as a ministry, guys. I love doing this. and will do it for as long as I can. I can only do it with your help, though. Go visit our website, cscpodcast.org. I'll start uh, running stuff on there soon. And hopefully my book will come out soon. I sent it to Sean. Uh, no word on what he's doing with it. He just has the document. So we shall see. Uh, stay in constant prayer. Coronavirus is its a scary, dangerous virus. But do not be afraid. God is with us. Uh, stay in prayer. Pray for the president. Pray that he will make the right decisions. Uh, pray that he will be uh, smart and wise with his words. Because uh, he certainly needs that, and pray for Congress to get to finally start working with each other, each other, and help those that are in need in this country due to the 
unfortunate cir economic circumstances. Uh, if you guys uh, live in the Salt Lake area, I encourage you to go down to the Point Church on, on Saturdays, help with the food pantry, or uh, Kingdom Church of God in Christ in downtown Salt Lake. Uh, work at the food pantry there. I know they can use some help. Uh, oh, I need to go over there uh, soon. And until next time, I'm Ethan Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.